and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 78th episode of the podcast for the week of November 18th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome back DC area astrologer and yoga instructor, Jack Marsh, who's going to join me in a discussion on Sagittarius season 2019. And we had quite the lively conversation, which is so perfect for Sagittarius energy. And of course, Mercury was playing his tricks as well. So I hope you enjoy our segment there. Now, before we get started, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today. And if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access to the podcast or show notes for the podcast, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Also, if you'd like to make a one-time donation to show your appreciation to this podcast, you can do so over at Mel's Tip Jar, which you can find at energeticprinciples.com. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week continuing along in her waning cycle and in the fixed fires of Leo, where she will head to her last quarter moon position on midday on Tuesday. She then moves into the mutable earth of Virgo later that day and where she stays busy throughout the middle part of the week until moving into the relationship heirs of Libra on Thursday evening. She'll float on the Libra breeze, ever decreasing in light, until moving into the emotionally contemplative waters of Scorpio late on Saturday night, and where she will spend the rest of the weekend. So just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, at about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or the East, at about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, my friends, we have quite the week before us, I have to say. What, uh, you know, we have Mars ingressing into Scorpio. Uh, We have (laughs) Mercury. Mercury stationing direct. (laughs) Mercury, I always shake my fist in the air when I have those Mercury moments, but hallelujah, Mercury stationing direct. Not at the time of this recording, but uh, this week. Uh, We also have the sun ingressing into Sagittarius and also making a trine to Chiron. And of course, we have the big news of Venus making her conjunction with Jupiter, uh, but on the same day that Mars opposes Uranus. So it is bound to be quite 
quite the interesting week. So let us waste no time and dive right in. On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Leo, and she'll make a square to Mercury uh, earlier that day. Also of note, on Monday, we have Mars ingressing into Scorpio. So let us talk about that, because this is a hallelujah moment for me, as I am so ready for Mars to leave his detriment position of Libra, especially since that's my 12th house. You know, Mars, move on. So, you know, a lot of action was stirred up since Mars entered Libra on October 4th, as he squared the heavyweight energies of Saturn and Pluto, and then opened the door for Jupiter to push us forward. And he's still got a trick or two up his sleeve as he approaches Uranus later this weekend, yet we are working with a much more dignified Mars. And so we will feel the relief from the mental tension that was likely at play uh, while he was in Libra, you know, and especially within interpersonal dynamics, as that is, the, you know, Libra's specialty there. And as Mars starts to stir the pot of, you know, passionate emotions instead, the Scorpio area, you know, this is going to motivate us to follow the soul's directive and make daring moves for the heart. So this is a nighttime warrior that is working with greater stealth and from a place of fixed intensity. So watch as everyone gets a bit more serious and are ready to walk the walk instead of talk the talk. So Mars will be in Scorpio until January 3rd. So the bottom line for Monday is is that we are feeling the love for most of the day with the moon in heart center Leo, and there is ambition and extra warmth in the air, which can be, uh, you know, quite life-affirming in many ways. Now, be aware there may be the potential for drama as Luna squares a stationing Mercury retrograde in the first half of the day. So do note that the trickster is out to play. And with Mars sitting at 29 degrees of Libra before he makes that move into, you know, the ingress into Scorpio, uh, you know, he's getting ready to situate himself there. So whenever a planet changes signs, essentially there may be some tests in the air around that particular planet and sign combo, uh, and so our action energy in our, in, in might be tested in some ways, and there could be some mental irritation, especially within communications as Mercury gets squared. So challenge your perceptions on Monday and choose to side with the heart, as joy is there if you flow with it. Now, on Tuesday, we have our last quarter moon in Leo, uh, but Luna will move into Virgo around mm, just before 6 p.m. here on the Pacific Coast. Now, along the way, she'll make a trine to Venus and Jupiter, a square to the sun, which is our last quarter, uh, and then a sextile to Mars and a trine to Uranus. Uh, And that's quite a uh, lineup there on Tuesday, so just be aware. Uh, Now, last quarter, that's going to happen at 27 degrees and 14 minutes of Leo, and that will perfect uh, at 1.11 p.m. here on the Pacific Coast. And so I feel as if this last quarter moon phase is certainly lighting the fires of the upcoming Venus-Jupiter conjunction later this weekend and transferring that sun-moon tension to the upcoming Mars-Uranus opposition. Now, this is a defining last quarter in many ways, and our heart will be speaking loudly, which could add a bit of drama and intensity to the air. Because whenever Leo and Scorpio come together, it can get a bit steamy. So this is more about internal tensions at play as we are challenged by our inner passions in a way 
that, you know, is propelling us to use our personal sovereignty to push this story further towards what lights up the heart. So this is kind of a me moon, uh, you know, in many ways. So connect with what your emotions are telling you and allow that illuminating light to push you for, you know, further towards the necessary changes that are right for you. So the bottom line for Tuesday is, is that last quarter lights up our upcoming Venus-Jupiter conjunction. So I have a feeling we will most likely wake up uh, in a good mood as we are ready to move on with our lives and embrace the heart's agenda. Now, there may be inner tension as we turn the corner, yet that is not going to uh, stop us from aligning our positive intentions with what actions are required of us, as we are now ready to shake our lives up in practical ways that support our innermost passions. So, you know, Tuesday, I have a feeling, is going to be a very defining day in many ways. Now, on Wednesday, uh, we have the moon in Virgo. She'll make a sextile to Mercury, an opposition to Neptune, and then a trine later in the evening to Saturn. Uh, Now, the big news for Wednesday is that Mercury is stationing direct. Uh, at 11 degrees and 35 minutes of Scorpio. So here is another hallelujah moment of the week. So how perfect is it that Mercury stations while the moon is in Virgo in a sextile formation? I love those types of celestial lineups because it really does remind you that the universe has our back. This was quite the fruitful, uh, albeit challenging, Mercury retrograde for a lot of us as we were asked to dive super deep into our emotional and mental reserves to get through it. Much came to the surface, though, especially on the 11th when we had that special Mercury-Sun Kazemi occultation. So, you know, despite the challenges, there is a deeper understanding at play that has transformed our view of life. Mercury has done its dance with commitment-oriented Saturn, uh, dissolver Neptune, and transformer Pluto twice now uh, with this retrograde motion. So, you know, there's one more direct pass to go. So this story is not quite over yet. So be patient with the station and really feel into it. Take time for meditation. Let Mercury transfer its message from the underworld, uh, you know, up to you on this earth. For there is new perception of life. Well, uh, you know, exceeding into that new perception will make all the difference to help us move forward. So Mercury will not officially reach the end of its shadow period until December 7th, and where we will be officially clear from all the back and forth. Just FYI for a little patience there. Now, the bottom line for Wednesday is is that the Virgo moon keeps us busy with a lot of back and forth as Luna sextiles into a stationing Mercury. So double check your work today and make sure all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed because it could feel like a bit of a weird day as trickster energy is at play while the moon is also opposing Neptune. So, you know, take it easy on yourself and try not to push too hard, especially later in the day as there may be less energy at our disposal. So take time in the evening to envision the long-range plan you see for yourself, as I think there will be potent energy at play that can help manifest our visions into reality. Now, on Thursday, the moon is still in Virgo, but she will make her way to Libra, uh, actually around 8.20 p.m. here on the Pacific coast, so it'll be mostly a Virgo day there. Uh, And along the way, she'll trine Pluto, square Venus and Jupiter, and then sextile the sun. 
So the bottom line for Thursday is that the upcoming Venus-Jupiter conjunction is highlighted further uh, with our Virgo moon here. Uh, But now it's through tension. So watch that that nitpicky Virgo moon doesn't pick apart your enthusiastic desires and you know where the page is turning. Yet on the flip side, perhaps maybe there are a few details that need a more discerning eye. So find the balance where you can. It's bound to be a busy day, and we may get a little testy over a desire to play when work is beckoning us, you know, because Venus and Jupiter are like, hello, I'm in Sagittarius, let's go on an adventure. And the Virgo moon's like, huh, but I have all this work to do. <laughs> so we have to be, you know, the, the we're being asked to be adaptable in spirit. So this is also the last day of Scorpio season on Thursday, so there is bound to be a test of some sort at play. Luckily, the sun and moon make a nighttime sextile right before Luna moves into Libra, which can help us gain greater understanding and equilibrium as we emotionally invest in the prospects of the future. Now, on Friday, the moon is cruising through Libra, and she is not actually making any lunar aspects on Friday. But the big news for Friday is that the sun is ingressing into Sagittarius. Woo-hoo! So I suppose let's let one more hallelujah out for the sun ingressing into jovial Sag. So happy birthday to all you Sages, and, you know, happy rejuvenation period to all you Sag risings out there. You know, a breath of fresh air and fiery intention has entered the building, and we are ready to move this party along as expanded horizons are beckoning. The solar light is invigorating us with passion for new experiences. That's the beauty of Sagittarius, uh, which will be kind of a godsend after all this celestial reconfiguration uh, that has been going on. So we all know that everything is changing all over the place, yet having the awareness that is aligned with enthusiasm for these changes is everything. It's like seeing the light at the end of the Scorpio tunnel. So embrace this color that is coming back into our bodies, for its purpose is to get us excited for the next chapter, as the story is about to get pretty juicy come January. Jack and I talk about uh, Sagittarius, you know, all things Sag later in the program. So stay tuned for more on this 30-day period uh, because the sun will be in Sag until our solstice on December 21st. So the bottom line for Friday is, is that this is a day of shifts as the sun ingresses into Sagittarius while the moon in Libra has a respite of lunar aspects. Ultimately, she is moving all day towards a square with Saturn, though. And even though we are in a bit of an in-between space, we are mentally going over our long-term plans and commitments. We may feel pressure in our stories as we prepare to make big moves and make distinctive boundaries so we can further our recent decisions. Authority figures may irk us a little, or you may have to step up and be one ourselves. So, you know, take it easy, find balance, and cultivate harmony wherever you can. Now, on Saturday, the moon is in Libra, but she will move to Scorpio around 10 p.m. here on Pacific time. So, you know, most people, we're going to... So think about Scorpio for Sunday. (laughs) So most of it's going to be in Libra here. But along the way, she's going to make that super early morning square to Saturn, a square to Pluto, and then a sextile to Venus and Jupiter. 
Now, also of note, we have the sun now in Sagittarius making a trine to Chiron in Aries, uh, who is retrograde uh, there. Um, and so just a quick note here with those two meeting. Uh, as you know, I like to look at Chiron. And so I'm just going to give a quick mention to the fact that, you know, the sun is trine in Chiron. You know, Venus has already been here. So now the sun's coming along to get that, uh, that hit. Now, it's extra special in many ways because Chiron is actually about to station in just a few weeks' time, which we mentioned in the uh, Sagittarius season uh, segment later on in the program. And so you've probably heard me talk before about the wounded healer that Chiron is and how it brings up our personal version of triggers through that prodding, you know. Uh, but through that prodding, we gain wisdom in the process. And so that's the thing. We're triggered and then we understand. Triggered, understand. And so now I have a feeling with Chiron being a centaur just by nature, you know, and myth, uh, and the sun trining in from Sagittarius, that there will be an extra dose of wisdom that flows uh, through us at this time. And keep in mind, from Aries, this is a very personal wisdom, customized to our own story and our own worldview. So let what comes in fire you up at this time, uh, but in a purifying way so that you can better understand your own healing process as it can look different for everyone. And with Chiron and Aries looking over to Mars, you know, because Aries is Mars's domain, uh, as he approaches tomorrow's Uranus opposition, right? So Mars is very active in the skies. You can bet the spark of life will play into the next moves that are made. So the bottom line for Saturday is, is that the morning's uh, plutonic tension gives way to opportunistic moments as Luna sextiles into our upcoming Venus-Jupiter conjunction. So the prior tension fades away as we align once more with the big picture, uh, you know, and the enthusiasm of our desires. And so wisdom is on offer here through whatever may have provided a trigger. So find healing in the form of updated beliefs and new understandings. This balsamic Scorpio phase uh, that is going to start to seed in late on Saturday uh, and really is going to, you know, head us towards tomorrow's Mars-Uranus opposition. So, you know, just know that intensity may arise unexpectedly. Um, so this is, you know, this is meant to be uh, the reason for it is is a sense of closure, or there might be some fodder for our healing reflections that need to kind of come in at this time. So be aware of deep emotional material that may be getting stirred up, especially in the later part of Saturday, or if you're anywhere else in the world, you know you're going to feel that probably the morning of Sunday. Speaking of Sunday, well, the moon is now in Scorpio fully, and she'll make a, you know, middle-of-the-night conjunction to Mars, then an opposition to Uranus, and then a conjunction to Mercury. And so we have two things of note going on on Sunday. One is the Venus-Jupiter conjunction. Uh, also, we have Mars opposing Uranus. So, of course, we're going to start, the, like, which do you want first, the good news or the bad news? <laughs> No, they're neither, but I'm making a joke. Uh, but my listeners know me by now, and so you probably already knew that. Uh, so let's get into this Venus 
Jupiter conjunction. So Venus, you know, it's our relationship planet. This is where we open up and we draw in and we attract and we're trying to balance. We're trying to harmonize our lives. We're, uh, you know, stimulated by our values and we, you know, we're, it's a magnetic type of energy. And conjunctions are always setting up a new cycle where the energies are merging and becoming one. And so Venus, our lesser benefic, as she's called, is merging with Jupiter, which is our greater benefic, which Jupiter expands our world uh, vision, it uh, prompts us to grow, and it gives movement. So here these two are meeting in the skies, and because Jupiter is such a slow mover, you know, Venus only does this uh, once a year. Um, So uh, this is a bit of a special moment, especially since Jupiter is still in his... uh, in his sign. So, you know, let's throw one more hallelujah out there for good posterity, as this is an aspect we have been looking forward to for quite some time. You've probably heard my me talk about it, other astrologers. Uh, so it's kind of one of those sweet spots. Because when the two benefics meet in the same sign, and especially one of their own signs, you know, because keep in mind, Jupiter's still in Sag, we we know that something sweet is seeding here. So this is a reminder that it is time to open our arms to what life has on offer and know that we are the creators of our own magical journey in many ways. And with this happening in Sagittarius, a mutable sign that fires us up to explore and move beyond, this is the call of desire beckoning at our doorstep with the reminder that you have a ticket to just about anywhere as long as you are willing to make changes and embrace the spirit of adventure. Normally, this may be almost a sleepy conjunction where we kind of soak in the good vibes or the good things in life uh, uh, that has, you know, that's on offer or we are kind of open our arms to luxury with this energy uh, because it's all more, more, you know, and desire. I desire more. Uh, Yet with Mars and Uranus having their own agenda, which I'm about to get here to in a second, there are multiple stimulus at play. Yet there is still so much magic. So, you know, open your arms to attract in your desires at this time, for you will not regret it. Now, Mars opposing Uranus, uh, you know, Mars is our action energy. This is where we assert ourselves and where we drive forward and focus our our action and our intentions on uh, with actual movement, you know. Uh, And oppositions, these are when we're faced with decisions, where we're confronted with an outside influence, uh, with someone else maybe. Um, Or there's a tug of war that's going on inside of us, but we're looking for that bird's eye view. Uh, And so, you know, Where's the warrior uh, struggling here and having that tug of war? Well, that's with Uranus. And Uranus is an awakening energy. It's a disruptive energy. Uh, It wants to liberate and free us from things and wants to innovate our lives. And we may be feeling a bit rebellious as we try to shake up all the debris that we no longer want to carry. So Venus's siren, you know, is, is calling us towards growth in the future with that conjunction with Jupiter. But Mars is picking up his stealthy Scorpio weapon to free himself from any constraining influence that is getting in the way of the independence and freedom that Uranus is desiring. Now, it is time to shake things up in our life, and this is sort of the last hurrah in many respects, as all the other personal planets have passed through this position already. You know, the Mercury, Venus, the Sun, they've all made the opposition with Uranus. 
And so now it's Mars's time, and he's, you know, he's saying it's time for action. So whatever is being cut away or wherever we are innovating our lives forward, these actions are made with the understanding that this is a life change and we are moving on for good. Because these are fixed signs, you know, after all. And once that agenda is activated, there is no going back. So make the right moves for you at this time and embrace the spirit of change, for it's now time for a new chapter to be written in our stories. So bottom line for Sunday is there is a lot of tension and activity while we sleep with that Mars-Uranus lunar hit. Uh, So pay attention to groundbreaking dreams that may have come in to help release tension. I wonder if many of us might be dreaming about uh, kind of like earthquakes and things along those lines, because I don't know if you've ever had one of those dreams, but <laughs> uh, it's always, you know, it's it's very interesting. So if you do, let me know. Um, all right, so back to Sunday. So there's still trickster energy, at, you know, at play here because Luna is going to come around to conjunct a recently direct Mercury. So there's likely to be more activity to this day and maybe deeper conversations or thoughts at play uh, with that Mercury hit, especially in Scorpio. So there is such a duality to the energy of the day as we have the best of the best meeting in the skies with that Venus-Jupiter conjunction while simultaneously experiencing a significant shakeup uh, with the Mars-Uranus hit. So as Luna further darkens, we are in a stage of release and introspection. So find the magic in this incubatory state as new energies are on the way. So to wrap it all up here, uh, a sense of movement and closure abounds this week as Mercury stations direct while we simultaneously wrap up both Scorpio season and the Scorpio lunar cycle. Our desires are speaking heavily as we open our arms to the next chapter of our stories, and that very enthusiasm will help guide us to shake up our lives in meaningful ways. This could very well be a defining week of 2019, so embrace the change that is on offer. Right, so let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little something something to everything I'm talking about here. And so this week I drew the Princess of Wands as the focus and the Queen of Swords as the grounding. Now, with the Princess of Wands as the focus, I couldn't think of a better card to usher us into Sagittarius season. You know, there's a new spark of passion that is lighting from within as our desire energy is set ablaze and we are summoning our will towards a new direction. And so there's still much to sort out and there will still need to be commitment and containment. Otherwise, our fiery lady, you know, here may burn out rather quickly or create a volatile situation when too much vigor is thrown at something in haste. So embrace your ideal passions and that vital spark that is rising up, yet temper that lust for life just enough to keep from being overly reckless or unnecessarily dramatic. Now, with the Queen of Swords as the grounding, luckily I think there will be a solid mental space that is grounding the princess's zest for life, now that new clarity and intuitive hits have risen to the surface. And we are intellectually more aware of the patterns at play and what is in need of cuts. For whatever illusions may have, you know, had us tripped up prior will now become crystal clear. So we are fortunate to have her grounding this week as truth and justice rises to the surface and empowers us for the road ahead. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's Animal Ambassador. 
the tortoise. Our slow-moving and somewhat silent friend is here to remind us this week that it's time to get grounded and centered, as there may be bits of us that are fragmented all over the place, and that can create a lot of pressure and unnecessary exhaustion. Situations may fly past us, and especially with that Princess of Wands energy at play, we may feel called towards immediate reaction. Yet decipher if what seems urgent really needs your immediate attention or not. Is it really a crisis or just an inconvenience? Does this need action right away, or am I just prone to feeling the need to put out one fire after another? So slow down this week and connect back into your body and your breath. And if you can, spend time outdoors while putting your bare feet on the ground in what is known as earthing. Because you can give that stress to Mother Earth, and in return, she will help you slow down and feel more grounded and connected to life on this crazy planet, because it is crazy. (laughs) So grab onto that tortoise energy this week. All right, so just quick little announcements before we get to our fabulous Sag segment. Well, I want to give a shout out uh, to SDAS because uh, we have an upcoming solstice party on Friday, December 13th. Um, so if you are a member of SDAS or you're in Southern California and would like to become a member, it's only $25 a year. You can't shake that with a stick. Uh, we are having our solstice party that is complimentary to all members on Friday, December 13th. And then in January, we're going to have our year ahead panel and workshop on January 10th and 11th. So we're going to take a look at 2019 and then do a workshop uh, to see how that fits in with your chart. So if you're in Southern California and especially in San Diego, I I can't think of the word right now because Mercury is getting me, but, you know, consider coming on out. So you can find more on that at sandiegoastrology.com. Uh, now, also, I have a new Astro Storytime episode that came out last week uh, per a patron's request. Katie, you know who you are. I did an in-depth look into the innovative life of Apple computers legend Steve Jobs, um, which was fascinating. And I actually ran over a half hour. So this is an hour and a half episode. And it I mean, his life was Fantastic. Um, I mean, it unfortunately ended sooner than we would have liked, but I mean, what a legend. I also looked at the 30th anniversary of the Berlin Wall fall in the charts uh, when the wall was erected, when the wall came down, and then this anniversary. So that was also fascinating. So that's another way you can support this podcast by signing up for this extra material. So it's only $6 per month uh, for the episode. And really, once you sign in uh, and have gone through that Patreon process, you now have access to four of my Astro Story Times, uh, which which is over, you know, nearly five hours of fun. <laughs> and so if you want to find out more, uh, look into these people's charts and learn more astrology as we go, I uh, hope you check that out. And of course, you can also get show notes and early access to the podcast with options as well. So you can find more on that at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right. I am so happy to welcome back this week's very special guest and a special guest of many times before. I have Jack Marsh back with me. Thanks for joining me again, Jack. (laughs) Hi, Mel. How are you today? 
Oh, I am uh, pretty good. I've got a, a, a suspicious baby crying outside my window. I hit record on the podcast and all of a sudden I hear this, which is so funny because I heard, I saw some, you know, meme the other day or, or some list of Zodiac signs and they're talking about like, what would, you know, drive a particular sign crazy or feel like they need to act. And for cancer, it was a baby cry. <laughs> so, true. So I'm like, literally like, I'm like, Oh, one ear out. Um, <laughs> so it sounds like they're in my house. I don't know what's going on. Okay. Collect myself. This is a mercury retrograde moment, right? As we start mercury retrograde. Absolutely. And right now in my location, I just pulled up the chart. We actually have uh, Saturn exactly on the descended right now. And, uh, in the, uh, setting in the West on mm. the descended. So, uh, you know, unexpected barriers to events taking place for my face-to-face relationships, Mel, via Zoom. Like, <laughs> absolutely. I know. It's so weird. They're, it's like they're, it's, it's, I've had these weird experiences. I know I'm going on a tangent right now, but it's kind of funny to me. I keep having these weird experiences where something sounds as if it's in my house. And so right now, like my neighbor has a baby. I hear it cry from time to time. But in that moment, in that last like two minutes that we were speaking, it sounded like the baby was in my house. Now, yesterday I woke up um, in the morning and I have one of those like heaters, you know, like wall heater that's gas and you turn it on, you know. Mm -hmm. And I hear this thing in the heater and I hear this, I was like, what the hell is in there? What what am I going to have to do right now? And I'm like trying to figure it out and it just goes, you know, and then all of a sudden I hear this like really muffled, like tinny in metal caw from a crow. Like, there was a crow doing something in my heater. <laughs> um, no and I was like, am I going to have to like call a crow removal service right now to deal with this? I was like, how Scorpio season is that? Uh, um, oh my you know. gosh. Yeah. Like how Edgar Allan Poe, the telltale heart of crow, like trapped within the walls. Like my goodness. Exactly. So Scorpio. Oh, anyways. Well, you know, before we get into, because we're going to talk about Sagittarius season, it is almost yeah. here. Um, there's still some Scorpio left though, and, and uh, Jack and I will <laughs> reminisce on that in a bit here. But before we get started, for those who might be new listeners and haven't heard Jack before, uh, you know, give a, let people know a little background on you. Well, uh, my name is Jack Marsh, and I'm in D.C. area, a stroller and yoga instructor, and uh, very recently, full-time employee of the Yoga Alliance, which is, we're a wonderful 501c charity, and we get to spread yoga education around the world. We're the world's largest association of yoga instructors in 160 countries, and I've been a contractor there for the last several months, and I just got hired in Scorpio season in my Gemini Rising sixth house of Scorpio in a sixth house Scorpio perfection year as the sun moved into Scorpio and Mercury turned retrograde, reviewing all the work I just put in over the last quarter year as a contractor. So the timing works, friends. It absolutely, absolutely does. And in my Libra, well, the ruler Mars, my planetary Time Lord ruler of the year, was in uh, Libra, or has been in Libra, of my fifth house of things that I love and creative projects, like super duper, the clock's always on time, isn't Mm -hmm. it? It yeah. is. It is. It's always on time. Who are we yeah. kidding? <laughs> yeah. We try to push it forward. We try to push it back, but it's always right on time. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, yeah, and it, so I'm actually entering a job where part of part of my paid job, and this is incredible, involves aspects of dealing with uh, both Ayurveda or Indian uh, uh, 
traditional cultural medicine and uh, Jyotish or Indian astrology. I will be able to, for my actual line of work, explore Jyotish, which is something that's been, that will be a totally new topic. But what I do know is Western astrology and part of my job as it is, is knowing what Eastern astrology is like what it is not. And so by knowing Western astrology, I'm actually very able to read for pop astrology, entering yoga curriculums, which is actually something in my position that I'm supposed to be editing out. Um, (laughs) Super duper funny to me. But um, at least I know what it is to know what is not from the Eastern yoga tradition. So I I actually get to then as well explore, finally, this has been sort of like a years leading up to it, whole different area of the world of astrology, like finally get into Jyotish and for my job. How awesome is that? That's well, and so that's such a testament to hear, you know, Mars was moving through your fifth house of, you know, that that good luck sphere, right? But it, it's funny because it, it was coming up as, you know, Mars is squaring Saturn, Mars is, you know, squaring Pluto, sextiling Jupiter, but you know you were you had that good luck gift come in um, mm-hmm. through the tension of even seeing what you've brought forward thus far, and the fact that right. you love the work, and even fifth house is very much connected with uh, you know kind of sport in itself, which yoga can definitely fit in there because mm-hmm. it's kind of got that connection too. So you know let's uh, let's give a big hand. Thank you. A big and two Mar- hands. <laughs> And Mars is in my 10th house of career in Pisces as well. Ah. So this year was definitely going to involve my public persona and career, even though my midheaven, I'm using a whole sign system here when I speak, uh, my midheaven is in Aquarius. The 10th house for me as a Gemini rising is, of course, Pisces. And then I also had uh, Mars in Cancer at my solar return. And so it connected all those water houses for me in my uh, places of career, work, and finance. And I actually am, for the first time in my life, totally feeling independent and secure because also of benefits, mm. uh, um, which, is, which is a huge thing. And it is a huge issue in our country. And I have lived over the last several years being a contractor, doing interior design work and doing uh, professional home staging and then getting into working for the Yoga Alliance first as a contractor, I've experienced the need to live as someone that does not have benefits in the United States um, very profoundly. And I had never had a health incident in my life until, guess guess what? Like right before this year, one health incident at the end of my last uh, year of birth. So my uh, my previous year, uh, perfection year, um, I had my first health incident ever, and then it moved into this year, and I've had a whole health journey with this whole Mars sixth house Scorpio perfection year. It's been both about the career development and about the health. So it's really amazing how many different topics from a house and a sign can come to the surface when it's activated by a system like perfections. Like it's been so great for like for my uh, professional career and my job development, but it's also been really challenging for my health. The whole journey of working hard for Mars, but Mars also, he's always going to bring challenges. Um, I think Rick Levine is the one that has said recently, I was you know listening to one of his great talks, love Rick Levine, but he was saying that um, his in modern interpretation of why the old school benefic planets are Venus and Jupiter and the old school malefic planets are Saturn and Mars are because his interpretation of the word benefic means they're easier to dance with. Like it's easier for most people to understand how to dance with Venus and Jupiter and make it work better. But it's, it's harder to learn to dance with, um, with Mars and Saturn 
But but when you learn how to dance with Mars and Saturn, it's like the Olympic high diver that can do the crazy trick and land the yeah. perfect dive. Mm-hmm. It's super technically challenging. But when you do learn in your life to work with that Mars and you do learn in your life to work with that Saturn that you have, then you can do amazing tricks and land it succinctly. But it's much harder to learn how to do that. And it takes more time. Mm, yeah, more time, more practice, more, time, more endurance, more, more perseverance endurance, because you have this goal in mind and you're going to flip five million times, maybe hurting yourself in the process. But when you get there, it is mastered and it is perfected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's so interesting with the whole six house journey that you've been on. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm getting like a sneak preview basically because I, I have a six house perfection for my next birthday, uh, which I have a Mars ruled sixth house as well. And not going to lie. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I swear I can time. Because of my, because I'm a, you know, Scorpio rising, I have a first house. So basically the first house and the sixth house are ruled by the same uh, ruler, which happens when you are Scorpio rising. Um, and I mean, I can time when I'm going to have a health issue to, down to the T because Mars comes around and, and it just sets the whole thing up. And, um, and so of course I'm looking ahead to 2020 and I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm going to go into a sixth house perfection year. Mars is going to retrograde in my sixth house in Aries. <laughs> and I'm like, I, you know, I just, uh, I'm hoping for the best. That's all I'm saying. But I, I know I've been there before and, you know, it, it, can, it brings up a health, I like how you said health journey because <laughs> let's be honest, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what it is. That's what it is. So I'm crossing my fingers, but, uh, you know, I'm also prepared because, <laughs> yes, yeah, so... Well, that's fabulous, Jack. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. You know, so that's part of Scorpio season, right? Because part of Scorpio season, absolutely, Mel. Um, you know, the like the deep dives as well. It's amazing the layering of symbology, deep dives um, into both health and uh, well, sexuality for those that are both in and out of relationships, your own relationship to sexuality itself, the whole other sidedness to Scorpio, the thinning of the veil surrounding Halloween at the beginning. And um, as they talked about in the astrology podcast, like the spook grade, Mercury retrograde we've been going through. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like it has been really dragging up a lot of deep things for people. And even if people that are not studying astrology are less conscious of that, I have noticed even in my colleagues at work, members of my family, really deep issues sort of bubbling up to the surface, like that like still pool of water. And then you just see like, like like a little trickle of effervescence come up from the depths. And you're like, what? made that happen. Uh, I like how you say a little trickle and I imagine like swamp thing coming from the lagoon like blah. <laughs> you thought I was gone. I am not. Welcome back. <laughs> Mine was like the little air bubble before the swamp monster burst forth. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, a, that itself was a journey. <laughs> you saw the bubble and you're like, hmm, that ain't right. <laughs> and Mel turned around because I was walking away and she said, holy Jack, there is a monster there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, and you know, and I feel like a lot of us are in that position. And of course, the people are having it in different ways in different areas of life and on different levels of drama as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel sure. like everybody is, is tapping into that. Um, and it, you know, it brings that conflict uh, to to the surface because at the end of the day, you know, we're looking at uh, Scorpio season, especially Mercury retrograding back through there, and that is a Mars ruled sign, and Mars over there in Libra is stirring right. the pot. 
<laughs> especially with all those squares that happened, um, kicking off the, you know, the new moon in Scorpio that happened a handful of weeks ago. Absolutely. Um, and that new moon, what a sucker of a new moon that, uh, uh, that, that was leading up to this full moon. And this full moon has been just such a, such a, such a vibrational energy with that, like uh, the approach of the, of the Mars, uh, Uranus opposition coming up when he transgresses finally into the other sign. You have um, uh, like all, the, all the, like the sextiles that were happening as well, the squares and the Kazemi. And then, you have, I mean, it was just so much happening. Um, thank goodness the moon was in Taurus and there was something to bring it back down to earth. I felt like everyone had a link back down to reality from the crazy. Like this was like if this had been in any almost any other sign combination with the tension of the aspects, you might expect our lunar lady to be a little more volatile. Yeah, Thank goodness she had she had a little bit of like that Taurian uh, either sensual pleasure input or the security of like that nesting feeling, or even the ability to party and blow off the steam. Mm. Like, let's not forget, like Taurus is the sign of the Bacchanal. There's no, there's no party moon like a Taurus party moon. But like, you know, the Taurus party is, is, is a fun party, shall we say. It, it is. I, well, I did a little post on my um, uh, uh, Instagram. You know, I, I like to do little polls every now and again, especially for the, the full mm-hmm. moons. And I'm like, oh, how, how are you feeling? How y'all feeling? Uh, well, I had the options of fantastic versus I've been better. <laughs> I like. Oh. I was like. I would like phrase it that way. Um, what a and diverse s- emotional array, Mel. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like we had a, a consensus of forty four percent were feeling fantastic, while fifty six percent have been better. So you know. Even when she is in her uh, exaltation there and we think that she's going to ground us down in some way, sometimes coming back yeah. down to earth is actually, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. It's a hard landing. Um, <laughs> you ever been skydiving? Yeah, it hurts. But you're like, <laughs> even when you slide just right, it, it, you know, it's not exactly comfortable landing on the earth again. Yeah, gravity hits. And it's so interesting, <laughs> you know, and it's so interesting. Just think about the idea of earth always like coming after fire, right? You know, yeah. like just in the in in any lunar cycle, you know, any full moon that we're going to have an Earth sign, it's going to get super hot and activate it in the fire sign before yeah. it hits the Earth. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that adds a little extra to the to the situation <laughs> here. But uh, you know, I think we it's safe to say that Scorpio season was challenging. <laughs> I mean, we still have a little bit left of it, obviously, as Jack and I are recording this when the sun is only at, I think, 22 degrees of Scorpio. Mm-hmm. But um, so there's still surprises in store. However, in yeah, store. I, I think it's safe to say a lot of people are, are, are experiencing that reconfiguration. <laughs> For sure. And we do get to have, at least on um, in the United States, on November 19th, next Tuesday, or uh, the day after, a day or two after your podcast airs next week, Mel, we do have Mars finally transgressing into uh, the sign, his own sign of Scorpio. And so whenever the ruler comes home, all the action that just took place in the house, you know, the, the, the cleanup starts to get done. It's like everybody was at the all, like the all night party at the house before and all these things happened. And then the owner gets home and now he gets like sort of put, put together and piece together all of the events of the night before and, uh, <laughs> and you know, like finish the story, so to speak. The observer, the ruler gets to like 
see what just happened. And so there'll be a lot of manifestation, I imagine, surrounding all of this action that we just had in Scorpio, the moment of uh, the Kazemi of the sun as Mars moves over there much, much later, like three weeks later. Um, you know, as Mars moves through Scorpio, see how he triggers where the conjunctions of Venus and Mercury and the conjunctions of uh, the sun and Mercury were, because I imagine finally the ruler visiting that place, there's going to be an extra jolt of energy yeah. and ownership that comes as that movement takes place. However, that sits for you in your chart. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that Mars, in many ways, is acting as a timing factor, uh, not only for for those who are under the perfection of Mars, <laughs> but uh, but just in general, because Mars, you know, in in its position uh, right now is is essentially, you know, it's behind the sign, uh, sun by zodiacs degree. So basically it's the last planet that's coming around to make all the aspects, um, you know, that the previous planets had made before. So, and, and because it has that action-oriented quality to it, you know, <laughs> it's obviously going to stir things up, activate, uh, and bring actual motion to maybe something that was just, um, you know, thought before, or we became aware of something and we're act, you know, but now Mars is like, okay, it's, it's go time. So there is, because we don't actually start Sagittarius season until Friday, uh, the 22nd, November 22nd, mm-hmm. uh, at 7 a.m. Pacific time on the dot, uh, we will start Sagittarius season. But it's interesting, like right before we get there, we have that, uh, you know, ingress of Mars into Scorpio, like you spoke of. Uh, and we also, can we get a hallelujah for Mercury stationing direct two days <laughs> before Sagittarius season? And you know what? It's happening on freaking Venus Day. So this is the ultimate TGIF situation right here, right? You have Jupiter moving into his home sign on a Friday. Everybody's already going to be in a good mood because of the calendrical cycle. Like this is a great day at work in the, or in the office if you work in an office. Like this is a day everyone's feeling it's nice and Friday. Um, yeah, and it's the Friday before Black Friday, so everyone's getting ready for the holidays. This is a really great ushering in of the Thanksgiving season. Oh, you know, Thanksgiving no. always happens either at the very beginning of Sag or once in a blue, like once in a blue moon, which is not an astrological term. Um, <laughs> it happens <laughs> at the very end of Scorpio, but you still usually have Venus or Mercury up in Sag in order to bring in that energy to that feeling of Thanksgiving. Um, but this, this is the ultimate intro to Thanksgiving, you have both benefics. They're within a degree of conjunction of one another. You have the sun in Sagittarius, but not close enough for combustion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you have, you have both Jupiter and Venus still as evening stars in this arrangement. So that's, uh, I mean, uh, whenever a light still has its own independent brilliance from the sun, there is that extra oomph it has in terms of clarity of its message, right? So Venus and Jupiter still, this is going to be a great moment I'm going to say for last minute um, or sorry, very early nighttime elections for some Venus moments because Venus will be super dignified in the sense that she's like on top of Jupiter within three degrees approaching his, its conjunction. The sun is there, but it's so early that you actually would be fully in the darkness of night at the moment Venus would be right on the descendant. So super powered Venus. And Venus is already about relationships and it will be on the descendant no matter where you are on Earth. So 
this would be an, a great opportunity for some really profound Venus choices surrounding. So that would be with Gemini rising after the sun has set fully with no light left in the sky. Um, some really great moments in that very beginning of sad season to make choices or put forth prayers or intentions mm-hmm. that would really help you to bring that principle of wetness of rejoining with others um, into the descendant or into the core relationships of your life. So if you have anything that you've been really fighting about or you need to find beneficence and understanding and see, like, you know, joining peoples across seemingly impossible barriers, like the classic Romeo and Juliet tales, like that feeling of epic reaching despite star-crossed odds, this is the time to do it. It's going to be the best time to do it for a while as uh, Jupiter is about to move into Cap. But um, what a beautiful combination of energies over there in early Sag. Early Sag, mm. where it's at this year. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, <laughs> you know, we have this lovely Venus-Jupiter conjunction. And by all accords, I am signing myself up for that beneficence. <laughs> But it's almost like this interesting joke that is played as Mars is opposed Uranus the same day. Right. You know, and so that, but I like that in, uh, you know, to pull back what you were saying about if, you know, maybe there, we need more of that wetness for Venus and uh, Jupiter to come together and maybe help to, you know, heal or repair certain situations. Because keep mm-hmm. in mind, Mars has been in uh, Libra this whole time, stirring the pot of, I can't even tell you how many relationships have had arguments or, you know, differences of opinion. And like, there's tension there. There is ideological tension that has uh, surfaced for a lot of people in a lot of areas of their lives. Right. Um, and so, I, you know, that's an interesting factor of the two coming together there in early Sag season, uh, because we have to keep in mind there is, so basically, let, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through this season kind of on the moon quarters, because I thought that that might be a good way for us to look at just the overall, because, you know, so much energy is uh, obviously produced between the sun and the moon as our primary luminary, our only luminaries, to be honest, and we don't really lighten anything up as the sun here. But, uh, you know, there are different flavors to the cycles of the moon. So I thought it would be best if we kind of looked at the transits in relation to just how the sun and moon were getting along at that particular time. But what Jack and I are talking about here in this Venus-Jupiter connection, this uh, Mars-Uranus connection, uh, and also the sun will trine uh, Chiron at that time, November 23rd through November 24th. So basically the first, like, you know, leading up to the new moon that's going to happen in Sagittarius on Tuesday, November 26th, we basically uh, get this, like, end of, you know, a a Scorpio, uh, you know, lunar cycle that is wrapping up its own agenda with this, you know, incredible conjunction, this like electrifying opposition. Uh, And then Venus moves into Capricorn before we even get to that new moon in Sagittarius. So there's a lot of uh, like in between like energy, I feel like before we actually get to like the Sag of the Sag. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that one of the most effective times that we'll be able to um, utilize the energy of that Venus-Jupiter conjunction is actually right at the end of Scorpio because you have the moon still sextiling through the sign of Libra. 
Mm-hmm. to that joint force of conjunction. So what an amazing... And we got to be careful about angularity here on making choices in, in those early Sag days and the end of Scorpio days because whatever is actually more present or angular at the time of motion is going to really determine the effects that you experience firsthand. So by making Jupiter and Venus more angular on the ascendant, descendant, or midheaven IC axis is going to be crucial to harnessing that energy because from the angle of beneficence and those and those mm, energies working together the additional effect of mars and in his own sign of scorpio strong at night opposing uranus could very well enhance the energy of mars in a way where you can stand in your truth and choose how you want to be free mm. rather than in the light of day perhaps making an irrational choice of ego and losing yourself from a context that you'd rather be made more whole with because of the overly ambitious nature and self-blindedness of Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, well, because that's the thing and that's a great point, especially if you're uh, kind of electing to do things uh, loosely, you know, unless you're really getting in there. But, uh, you know, if the, if Venus and Jupiter are going to be on the angles, uh, you know, around 23rd, 24th of November, we're probably looking at a a nicer outcome (laughs) because Mm -hmm. we're going to have that Mars, uh, Uranus element kind of tucked away in cadent houses uh, versus, you know, if you if if you end up doing things with <laughs> with Mars and Uranus in opposition and on the angles, right. you're probably going to get the fireworks um, that oh, yeah. uh, maybe you were initiating, anyways. But they, they'll just take on a little bit more of a. You, we want to get the the nicer Venus Jupiter side, but that's really what I was seeing yes. these two put together. Is because, like I said earlier, you know, Mars is coming around to the Uranus opposition that everyone has been through thus far. So now it's like, you know, I I just imagine like someone flipping a table, getting mad and flipping a table, <laughs> and like all the <laughs> dinner table or something. It doesn't have to be that dramatic, but um, just the <laughs> idea of it because it's come to this point, right? You know, you're you're feeling that Venus and Jupiter and Sagittarius. Sagittarius is that independence. It's that Mm -hmm. freedom. It's that, you know, a better, uh, an optimism um, of what is possible. And then Mars is like, well, well, damn, I better make some changes. I got to, you know, upset the apple cart in many ways in order to get this ideal Sagittarius vision that Venus and Jupiter are just like, you know, luring you in like a siren, like... (laughs) Oh yeah, like a suit, like a siren with a megaphone. With exactly, Jupiter, like, God, like everyone in all the lands can hear this Venus, like yeah. <laughs> from far and wide. Like from Sagittarius wide. likes it. <laughs> the Pied Piper's got a mic, y'all. Like, I, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. My goodness. Um, so yeah, so that's the very beginning of the season. We have a, a ton of energy. It's honeysuckle sweet, and it's very rarefied. And actually, my sister will be in Vietnam at this time for a wedding. And when I asked her, I was like, you know, why, why this, like, why this day? Why will you miss Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. Because uh, because Thursday's approaching. She goes, oh well, you know, the the Vietnamese uh, fortune teller said it was a very auspicious day. And so uh, this is a year ago. So I pulled up the chart, and I was like, oh. It's the day of the Venus Jupiter conjunction in Sagittarius. <laughs> and the Vietnamese fortune tellers are telling them that this is the most auspicious day this year to get married. So it's just like all cultures with the different systems. There are certain things that unify them, and the planets are definitely some of those. Across all cultures, the cycles of the planets enlightened the way they interpreted their gods and goddesses. And Jupiter and Venus have, uh, have been universally interpreted as being 
like super great. So that was super amazingly validating and just a chance experience to hear that even the Vietnamese fortune tellers are looking for that Venus-Jupiter conjunction in Sagittarius. Looking for that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And, well, and so let's keep in mind that that sweet spot uh, is, is a sweet spot that has a bit, in my mind, a bit of closure to it because of the yeah. nature of the, you know, being at the tail end of that lunar cycle. And so it, we're not necessarily building off the sweetness. I feel like the sweetness is helping us uh, be led to our own intuitive understanding, a closing down of sorts with the Mars Uranus, um, and, you know, getting the, the pieces and the chess pieces of the puzzle in the right place so that, you know, we can follow this, you know, d- whatever Jupiter and Venus are bringing up, you know, that's, that's, that yes. is the seedling. That's like, yes. Okay. Now I, now I am ready to plant. <laughs> oh, absolutely. For sure. And they're in late and just to play along with that, Mel, they're in late degrees of the sign. Yeah. So they're already moving on to like the next idea, but they're not anoretic yet. They're, 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 they're finishing comfortably what they're already doing in a magnificent way. Um, but it's not, it's not the point yet where people are getting anxious about goodbyes. It's like the comfortable space after the climax where you're still enjoying the fruits of your labor. Yes. And so that's a really amazing part. And I feel like that energy is super empowering for the Mars-Uranus opposition as well, because if you can decide how you want to stand independently and fresh in this new energy, uh, how you want to stand in your newfound freedom, then your choices of ego will probably be much more clear than if you haven't given yourself the higher perspective clarity of where do I want to, where do I want to go from here? Mm, yes, that makes a lot of sense. And especially, well, I'm just thinking of like kind of the tarot uh, associations within these like particular degrees because, you know, that Venus Jupiter, and I totally agree with what you're saying, you know, they're at the end of Sagittarius there. So this is, you know, there is a lot that has led up to this conjunction in its, in its own right. Um, but the tarot card for that, uh, in that particular decan is the Ten of Wands. And that is bringing something, you know, to the completion or where we're feeling uh, oppressed in some way uh, and, and are like, have other people's burdens on our back and we have to kind of free that up um, in order to get to the end of our own goal or our own thing there. And, and so that speaks a lot with the Mars Uranus because, I mean, if we looked at those as tarot cards, then that would be uh, a, a five of cups versus a five of pentacles, which are very challenging cards actually yes. to go through, uh, you know, uh, there's emotional changes that are happening. We're letting go of things that maybe once made us happy before, but now right. they just don't sit the way they do, or they don't bring us the abundance, or they create worry in our life, or whatever. So there is that, that you know, and paired with the end of a, a lunar cycle that is wrapping something else up too, because really, you know, the new moon at four degrees Sagittarius on Tuesday, November 26th at 7.06 a.m., if you need the time, Pacific time, um, <laughs> you know, that essentially is kicking us off into this mutable lunar period that, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, is really setting us up for the lead into the solstice in the magnanimous eclipse season that is coming uh, for Capricorn season. Absolutely. And just to keep in mind, we have already had the last Pisces moon of any phase with Jupiter and Sag. Yeah. That has already happened. The uh, Jupiter moves into Capricorn less than 24 hours or just about 24 hours 
before, um, uh, sorry, yeah, Jupiter moves into Cap less than 24 hours before the moon moves into Pisces for the next time. So this is going to be a Pisces moon like we have not felt in quite some time. Um, but that being, true. yes, but that being said, it will, for the first time in a while, be forming sextiles to Jupiter. Mm. So this is one of the gifts that I think, here's the, the, the genius schema of rulership in the Zodiac from an ancient perspective. The moon gets help from Jupiter when he is in Saturn's signs, his cha- like one of his most challenging signs in Capricorn. The moon gets to sextile Jupiter from one of his home signs, no matter which of Saturn's signs Jupiter is in, right? Mm-hmm. So when the moon moves through Pisces, it gets to have the opportunity to sextile with its sign ruler Jupiter in Capricorn. And when Jupiter eventually moves into Aquarius, the moon gets to sextile Jupiter from Pisces when the moon moves through Capricorn. So you get help from Jupiter in Capricorn, which is debilitated when the moon moves through Pisces. And when the moon finally um, gets to, gets a chance to be in its debilitation in Capricorn, it gets help from Jupiter in Pisces. You see oh, in the, re- the reverse. I see what you're in saying. The when we get to Jupiter in Pisces time. So a fresh perspective, I think, a little bit is that every lunar cycle, we're going to have opportunities if we choose them over the next two years of challenging Saturn-Jupiter times. When the lunar cycle hits the, that sign of Pisces in the next year, and then in three years from now, when the moon hits that moon in Sagittarius, we'll get that opportunity for the sextiles with the ruler to really bring forth a lot of Jupiter's beneficence to whatever's happening for us. You should look at the schema of your own houses to see how this is going to best work for you. But every single Pisces moon, starting with the next Pisces moon, the moon will sextile Jupiter in its growing phase. So utilize that moment, utilize that time to bring forth all the gifts you can from Jupiter because it's going to be a helpful opportunity if you choose it. Remember that the asterisk is the ninja star. It's sitting on the table, but you've got to throw it. Like it's the door, but it's a jar and you have to step through it. Like the sextile comes with a feeling of opening and a feeling of maybe like extending your hand. Mm. Mm. I'm all like, I'm looking at the, (laughs) (laughs) okay. No, that makes a lot of sense though. And then ways that we can use uh, the the moon Jupiter because the moon, basically what you're saying is the moon Jupiter relationship is going to change um, in in many Mm -hmm. ways, especially once Jupiter uh, moves into Capricorn. And that's kind of one of the big, big, you know, news of Sagittarius season because it, I feel like Sagittarius season in many ways, you know, even though it is a mutable sign and it is that double-bodied energy, I feel like it is an in-between zone in many ways as we're getting to, you know, kind of the meat of what's going to come here. But one of the bigger factors at play within the season is that ingress of Jupiter in the Capricorn, which of course I will do an episode on, you know, shortly here yeah. because that, so that'll be big uh, news in the astro circles. Um, but, you know, that is a totally different flavor of, of Jupiter <laughs> from moving from his sign in Sagittarius to that detri- or that fall position um, in Capricorn. Um, but we're not quite there yet because right, you know, we're, we're getting there and that's going to be, you know, basically from the new moon in Sagittarius on November 26th through first quarter in Pisces at 11 wow. degrees on Tuesday, December you know, third, we're talking about a week time there. 
that's kind of a lot of the meat actually of Sagittarius season. It it is kind of in this buildup to even get to first quarter in many respects. So let's, let's pull back to our new moon here um, Mm -hmm. in Sagittarius. And before we even get to the new moon, let's take a minute because I know we might've skipped over this, assuming that everyone just knows all about Sagittarius, but like, you know, (laughs) let's talk, let's, you know, let's talk a little bit about Sagittarius as a sign and kind of seed in our new moon uh you know predictions with that so you know J- jack what do you what do you think of when you think of sagittarius what comes to mind i think of expansion and enthusiasm and um i think that uh oh Chanel. oh <laughs> we lost jack he uh <laughs> oh all right we'll have to find jack again so i'm going to put it on pause be right back after these messages all right. Well, we had a little Mercury retrograde moment there where uh, <laughs> Jack's computer decided to say, hasta la vista to this conversation. I'm out of here. <laughs> um, right as he was talking about the expansiveness of Sagittarius, the computer was like, I need freedom. I can't do this any longer. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And when we started, Saturn was right on the descendant in my location. So there was going to be some kind of barrier for sure. A little muffling of the sound, a little disconnection of the peoples, the wall going up. Um, the babies. Absolutely. <laughs> the, ba- the babies. All the disruptions, the barriers of sound, both sound and not sound. Woof. Um, so Sagittarius. <laughs> so Sagittarius is definitely, it's, it's Jupiter's sign, right? And so Sag and Pisces, um, as Sag and Pisces have this visionary quality to it, right? Because Jupiter is considered the spiritual teacher or guru uh, in Jyotish as well as in Western astrology. And there is this element of sight connected to both Pisces and Sagittarius, but for Pisces it's more like the inner sight of the like the dreamscape and the like the auric vision perhaps. And in Sagittarius it's the clarity of the prophetic vision, right? It's like the stream of uh, images that comes forth on the wind in uh, like in like the ancient stories. Like the the prophets that saw the future are like on the wind on the breath of God riding towards them and it opened their third eye, which the uh, the the Anjani Mudra, like uh, uh, the third eye point, which is ruled by Jupiter also um, in, in Jyotish. So the clarity of that vision, our ability to perceive and interpret and have intuition, but also the ability to like to preach and proselytize and speak the vision um, is very much all a part of Sagittarius. The word for Sag is enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. I worked with the Sagittarius once and they were the biggest workaholic, but it was because they were so enthusiastic about their job. They were always the first one there and the last one to leave and the hardest worker made everyone else look bad and would skip lunch. And But they were just like, go, go, Sag, Sag. Like, that sounds <laughs> like a, I bet that person had like a, a, a dual stellium and Sag and Capricorn back to back. Maybe a little Scorpio in there, you know, like it just gave that, mm, to get Venus and Scorpio on the descendant. So like that obsessive thing of pursuing, because they were, they were the um, sort of assistant partner in the business. And so that uh, like obsessive, view of like Venus, oh, my connection to this partner, that single-mindedness of relationship, the intensity of Scorpio, and then that drive yeah. uh, in the eighth house of shared resources with their business partner of Sag, 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 Sag. Sag, you know, Sag. Like, <laughs> That's, that should be our motto. Sag, Sag. So, <laughs> that's, oh, I love that. You know, well, because Sag is exactly that. It's that visionary. It's, it's ideal. It's abstract. It sees something in the distance and it, it, it can create a story from it or, you know, and I think that's a lot of what's going to be part of this particular Sag season and the Sag new moon is that 
you know, we are building a vision. We, we got the sweet bullhorn of Venus and Jupiter (laughs) sounding into the, into the, uh, you know, into the lands. Um, and we had that Mars Uranus, like, "Mm, all right. And now we have this new moon in Sag and, you know, and it's quite a, a, a sweet little blessing that it happens in, you know, in the last throes of Jupiter in Sagittarius. So we, you know, seed a new moon under Jupiter, who is still in, in, the place of its his home sign, you know, um, and so there was really only yeah. two of these because I mean we had a did, did last year's uh, Sagittarius new moon coincide with I, I I don't think I don't I mean let's like like let us ephemeris this hold on I'm on the case but I believe that Jupiter's cycle is thirteen months so I actually think that we just missed. I am on the case. Sag with Jupiter also in Sag. All right. It was right on the cusp. In either case, it was like so close. Thank you for your ephemeris, Melissa. Yes, they they did. uh, Jupiter was, because we had the Sag new moon on Mm -hmm. uh, around December 7th. And so, yeah, so we had uh, Jupiter at about six degrees Sagittarius. So, you know, we did get that, you know, look back to that time. Of course, it'll be total different flavor, but, you know, just in in the interest of seeing what a Sag new moon looks like for you with Jupiter in that sign, you know, December 7th of 2018 is going to give you a little bit of of a flavor of of that. now, I love that to add to your Saturn on the Descendant that we started this podcast. Now I have a helicopter, a police helicopter that has been going over my house oh my and have been announcing something. I can't hear what they're announcing, but... <laughs> they're the like long a- arm of the law has appeared by oh, good Saturn enforcement. My I God. Know. Police, yes. Right? Oh my gosh. And I th- as we're recording this, the moon is in Gemini and heading towards an opposition with Jupiter. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So from the skies, they're speaking to me. Of course, right. And all oh. that refracted light, my goodness, from the moon. The I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all right. This is going to be the episode of Tangents. Um. <laughs> <laughs> How Sagittarian. Yes. They're all relevant. It's all around a central theme. That's right. So, all right. So we're pulling back to our new moon in Sagittarius. Uh, just to give you some things with that, you know, the new moon is still has Jupiter in Sag in its domicile. We just had those that Venus-Jupiter conjunction. Um and the Mars-Uranus opposition. And so I feel like, I mean, I consider this kind of a breath of fresh air in, in many ways or a purifying kind of, you know, fire, uh, you know. The, uh, and, you know, some of us might be in that like self-emoliating state where, you know, like the Buddhist monks that set themselves on fire, like this is where we're at, you know. And But in a, I'm, I mean that in a positive way because we're right. like, this is our belief. Blended this is by fire. Exactly, Almost, exactly. Yeah. Um, and... What's interesting about this new moon is that, you know, it's on the same, it's a day before A, Neptune stations direct. I mean, because that's definitely something, Uh, especially as Mercury is about to trine that Neptune that's stationing. Um, But also, you know, you know, I like to look at Chiron and I find it very interesting that Venus is square Chiron at the new moon, uh, which can bring up some triggers in that relating sphere. Now I'm only going to plant the seed. I'm not going to talk about it, but when we get to the full moon, I will bring this seed back up (laughs) Um, for uh, Venus reasons. But 
you know, do you have any like quick takes on the new moon in your mind, Jack? So I, it is that last sort of um, opportunity to, well, all right, we're about to enter uh, the, the major shift of uh, like Jupiter into Cap, which we will talk about here in a second sequentially. But uh, it feels like this is, uh, this is one of the best moments to look at what Sag means for you in your chart and for you in your life and see where you've come to a point of really satisfied culmination or at least a really ripe culmination. Even if you haven't felt satisfied, something has grown ripe and plump and is juicy, and it's red and it, but it's like about to fall off the vine. So it's time to pluck that fruit and move on to the next project. Mm. And this is that moment to do it really successfully, to like have your fruit and get the next one too, right? Mm. Like, um, so that, that's my thought about this new moon. It, 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 it feels very juicy to me. Juicy. <laughs> well, juicy. and it might have been a fruit that's been ripening since that last new moon we were talking about when Jupiter, yeah. you know, and that's, that's a possibility. Or even looking back, um, uh, you know, even, you know, Gemini season uh, when we're just kind of mm-hmm. cycling through polarities. But I like that. I like that juicy, <laughs> that juicy fruit that needs to be picked because it is ripe. And if you don't pick it now, it's going to rot uh, and it's time to move on. So pick your fruit, <laughs> uh, get it while you can and get ready to move on to the next because, uh, you know, we kick off this new moon and then basically Neptune is stationing direct, which is interesting, especially with Neptune being so caught up with Jupiter in its own square within all of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the fact that Mercury, and because this is the piece now, is we'll get off this new moon in Sagittarius. Neptune's going to station direct the next day um, on Wednesday, the 27th. And then on Thanksgiving, <laughs> on the 28th of November, basically Mercury is going to come back now in its direct position and make its third trine to Neptune, its third sextile to Saturn. And then of course, in the next couple of days, it'll go on to move through its third sextile with Pluto. All why Venus is getting a trine from Uranus herself. Um, and so that, you know, that speaks very Neptune to me. And so just FYI, anybody that has mutable planets in you know Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, Pisces, around 15 degrees, give or take, you're going through a Neptune transit and it might get a little blurry <laughs> around, <laughs> around, around Thanksgiving for you in many ways. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, what's your take on that, especially the Mercury piece of going back and forth from these positions? Absolutely. The, uh, the whole Piscean thing, at least within the United States, it's well-timed around Thanksgiving in the sense that it could be an opportunity to really meld and mesh with your family or the people that you are um, maybe if you don't choose it, if you're like sort of forced to be with around the holiday season, mm-hmm. um, it can definitely, uh, I mean, Neptune brings the wetness. It is the ultimate bringer of wetness and in fact, too much wetness. But if, if you're coming together for an event for where a lot of people want to save face because it's supposed to be a joyous occasion and there isn't the pressure of giving gifts like Christmas, Neptune's all there for the glamour and the wetness. Like bring forth the best face to the party, bring forth your, um, you know, all of the uh, vagueness of how well your life is going to impress people. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, it's a great thing for being with family and having fun and lightness and also avoiding topics, honestly, that cause pain and sharpness because that's one thing that Neptune does not agree with very much is pain and sharpness. Mm-hmm. It is soft and fuzzy and muffled and ooey gooey 
and melty, and it will melt right away from those problems and flow into a different area where it's much more comfortable. So um, use that energy to your advantage in the sense that it's a great time to be able to get along with people if you are conscious of how to use your social glamour. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean being fake necessarily. It means putting on your best face for the public in whatever context you're in. Yeah. No, that makes sense because, you know, like that put on your best face because, you know, that's the, that's the trick with Neptune is that it is a face. It's a, it's a mask of sorts, or it can be illusion, or this is what I, this is what I'm putting forth now, but you know, like a chameleon, it might change as, you know, the situation changes in, in many ways. Uh, and you know, people are going to be impressionable at that time too, I think just Mm -hmm. in, in general with their own kind of like, you know, ideal way of looking at things. We have uh, Venus trine Uranus that same day. Uh, And so, you know, it might be the fact that we have a different face to share Mm. to our loved ones by that point, you know, Uh, especially since the, the Mercury's been going back and forth over this, you know, activation points and the trine. Absolutely. Yeah. And so a rarely helpful trine um, from Mercury to Neptune, which are like, notoriously hard to reconcile Mercury and Neptune, right? So when they have the trine, it's an automatically, it's an energy that helps them flow together. So how do you conceptualize that? And I think that using the mutability of both of them together is how you function Mm. best with a trine with Mercury and Neptune. You allow yourself to take on the shape of, of the context at hand. You allow yourself to communicate. It doesn't need to be, again, false, but, um, Part of the gifts of, uh, of the mutable signs and the mutable planets of Mercury and Neptune are the ability to communicate your emotions and what you mean. So allow your external form to take the shape of what your heart and your mind intends. And that might not be how you usually behave, but if it mm. actually means that you communicate your emotions of your heart and your higher philosophy and mind better by taking on these different shapes, then so be it. If people get it better because you're being different than you are usually, that's a gift to both yourself and others. Mm, I love that, Jack. And especially because Venus is trining Uranus at that time. So it is a different you. It is a different face. It's a different uh, way of relating. It's a, it's a different way of being receptive to what is around you um, and, and taking that in. So, you know, it's, I think it's going to be a quirky Thanksgiving, to say the least. Uh, and, I, you know, in, in the whole Black Friday thing that comes after it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as a, basically Black Friday has Mercury uh, sextile Saturn that day. <laughs> Um, so that's an interesting, uh, and it makes me wonder if people might take the opportunity to be, uh, you know, pull that back a little because Mercury is, is the planet of transaction, essentially. Saturn is the one that it can be, you know, uh, pull back and constrict and maybe, uh, you know, not engage with that as much. And we know, yeah, and we know that, and I feel like last year it was like this too, where there wasn't as many, you know, like people weren't stomping down the doors. Because I think as you know, as we go into this new period and, and all this reconfiguration that's happening in Capricorn, we as people are having a new relationship with uh, the purchase of things and being consumers, mm-hmm. and you know, um, and so I don't know. I, I wonder if that will color. Uh, Black Friday a little differently, um, and especially with uh, 
Cyber Monday right. is going Cyber to be Monday. is going to be when Jupiter moves into Capricorn. Oh so, my god! So Jupiter so moves into. Ca- you can't make this up, Mel. You just can't. <laughs> so Cyber Monday has Jupiter moving into Capricorn and Mercury sextiling Pluto that day, um, which makes me wonder at that point if maybe Black Friday was a little meager, but uh, Cyber Monday comes around and they kind of break. <laughs> yeah, break the record. Transformational yeah. in terms of its date uh, um, significance in terms of Cyber Mondays with that Pluto, Mercury sextile, the mercantilism and, and the transformational, like go big or go home aspect of Pluto marrying one another. Well, and we have Venus sextile Mars at that same time. So right. she's like, I'm going to go out and I'm, or I'm going to sit right. on my keyboard. <laughs> at work, Venus, it, pleasure. Yes. Well, Venus in Capricorn now, she's probably yeah. sitting at her work desk. That's why we have Cyber Monday. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm just going to use my lunch break to order everything off Amazon. Exactly. Oh, that's funny. So, so I mean, what are your? I don't we even know. Talk if, about the transition of Jupiter yeah, from Sag to Cap, just a little do. bit, right? We do. So, this is this is like one of, <laughs> if not maybe, the most distinct and harsh breaks of dignity in the zodiac. So you have mm. Jupiter. Like, I mean, honestly, of all transitions of the zodiac, this is possibly the hardest of any planet to do. Because you have Jupiter moving from his home ownership of Sag into his debilitation and fall in Capricorn, his most like least happy place. And if you think about what Capricorn means, Capricorn is the collective structure that has been built. Capricorn is the bureaucracy. Capricorn is the brick by brick building of a building. It's the chain of things that builds to a larger structure, and it's hard to pump a ton of energy through a massive chain of things without blowing it up. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's what we get when we move from Sag to Cap. We get this transition of the limitless expansion within the context of reality of Jupiter's visionary and enthusiasm-ness meeting the hard wall of how does that appear in the reality of the physical chain of events and currently held constructions of reality within the world in the time space that you're in. So it, 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 it I mean, it, it, I mean, cyclically <laughs> the, uh, the transition of Sag into Cap has, has led like, especially around like, um, you know, 12 years ago, right. When it was moving from like 2007, 2008, nine, we moved into a recession period. There is often that energy of suddenly the expansion doesn't know where to go. And the stock market sort of like, huh? yeah, if it doesn't crash, there's a halting. There's like a sensation of I've hit the wall. Oh, it's Saturn. Hello, and um, and Jupiter starts to try to keep owning his own nature of expansion and generosity, but suddenly has that added factor of oh, how much of the money you donate to X charity actually goes to the cause, and how much goes to the people that say that they're working for the cause, and how much of that is being used in the right ways. I mean, working now in a charitable organization myself, I see now how the organization organization that I'm working for has, we really keep yogic philosophies at the core of our principle because we were founded for and operated by people that are like yogis first versus my friends of mine in DC that work for other charitable organizations. I mean, from everything from like, uh, I, like IRI, uh, the International Republican Institute that distributes democracy abroad to the human rights campaign that seeks to maintain equality for people across many 
backgrounds and diversities and sexual orientations throughout the world. Um, like th there are different manifestations on different scales of how much money goes to the cause and how much money goes to the employees that speak yeah. for the cause. And I think there's going to be a bit of an awakening of uh, revealing of corruption, right? Part of a recession usually always is that someone's been doing something with bad practices. Yeah. Wait, you mean with SAG practices? With vegetarian <laughs> practices. <laughs> or even like from many years ago, like nine years previously, like, Piscean practices. Yeah. And they have suddenly now come to light because they hit the wall of where do, like, where do all the capillaries, all of the, you know, where is the, like, the ideal of Jupiter and Capricorn is the trickle down effect of economics. Mm. Where you see the top and it trickles down, but that doesn't work in reality yeah. and it doesn't work for Jupiter. He's not a huge fan of this methodology of his energy. Now, there are major gifts to Jupiter in Capricorn. I don't want people that have natal placements of Jupiter in Cap to suddenly think <laughs> that they're second class citizens. That would be like very, very an overextension. Of I mean, my, Zuckerberg has Jupiter in, exactly. in Capricorn, you know. <laughs> the understanding of how to work with how to regulate the flow of gifts. Yeah is a gift that those that Jupiter ha that have Jupiter in Capricorn natally might have that others of us might you know struggle with a little more if we don't have Venus or the moon there. Yeah, well, and it's interesting now that you know, I bring him up and I, I won't digress, but he's in a, in a very interesting place right now. So it'll be very intriguing to see what his Jupiter return brings to mm -hmm. him, considering he's going through all you know the, the bureaucracy around how big his company has gotten, which has been really in this 12-year period since Jupiter. I mean, I would love to go back and look at Facebook, what it, uh, you know, because that's about the inception around the time, you know, 12 years ago when he, Jupiter was in Capricorn. So he's having his own Jupiter return around his business and how that has affected our world, you know? And that's the thing we always have to remember with these signs that are more collective energy-based. When you're looking at Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, you know, even if there's personal planets there, it, it can take on a collective stance. And so we can see that clearly in his chart uh, with Jupiter and Capricorn there. And we see his Jupiter and Capricorn. His Jupiter and Capricorn has affected the structure that we all live by uh, on, on many, many ways. Um, and so that's a great point, Jack. And it's so, you know, and you're absolutely right there. You know, we don't want to scare people. But the reality is, is that when Jupiter moves into Capricorn, a lot of times there is a recession type of activity or there is a pulling back uh, and maybe a fear around that because of, you, you notice that stark transition and, and it was different, you know, the last time Jupiter had ingressed in this area because uh, it was around the time that, uh, that Pluto was doing the same. So that mm. was another like surprise Pluto's in Capricorn, you know, like, <laughs> you know, right. so, I, yes. but you know, we're like, Oh, but that's when Pluto was ingressing there. And I'm like, well, you know, yes, but now we have Saturn in his own sign, meeting mm -hmm. Pluto as the, you know, they're all going through this. So that adds a lot of weight to it as well. And I mean, this, of course, there's, this is a subject for another podcast in many sure, ways. Of but course. <laughs> of course. But you do have what you're speaking to is that you have Pluto, the source of transformation, of blowing things up, of making things like, like visibly huge in a transformational aspect, meeting the reality of the wall the reality of, of um, uh, what this world can contain within its structure of three dimensions of Saturn, mm -hmm. meeting with the expansion principle of what we 
um, hope and the source of all wealth. Jupiter is a source of wealth. Venus is what we value and how we assign value to things. But Jupiter is abundance of wealth. And so you have the source of like wealth and um, on, uh, like a, an effusion of abundance, uh, like an access of abundance moving into the same sign where there is transformational healing on a broad scale and the reality of the wall in its own sign of hardness of the wall and the force of you know wealth is in itself debilitated. So you have a very hard reality against like a very hard hose and sure, water can break down a wall over time, but if you, all you have is a sprinkler, you're going to be there for... <laughs> Right. <laughs> I love that. The visual really sat well. Well, no, it's so true because, you know, when we're moving from Sagittarius, which is essentially limitless, we hit the wall or we hit the limit with Capricorn. That's, that's the, because, and that's the whole idea with Saturn, you know, from, for the ancients, Saturn was the farthest planet that we could see with our naked eye. That's still that, you know, it's still that way. We haven't got the hawk vision <laughs> to see past there, but that represented, Saturn represented that wall of, uh, you know, the limit of reality, of, of humanity, you know, how far can we actually go? It was the confines of where the limit to, you know, expansive space lies. And so that is the line. That's as far as, that's as far as you can go. And that's the principle of Saturn uh, within that. And so, you know, it, so soak up Sagittarius season while you can, <laughs> because yeah. the, uh, it, but with the caveat that through all this, uh, you know, the enthusiasm and the moving forward and in the, the, the transitions that are expanding our lives and our stories in many ways, there's a very strong Capricorn element that is going to come into place. Um, and yes. it's really the second that Jupiter gets into Capricorn, because Absolutely. then it's flavoring that. But I think that one really beneficial way that we could conceptualize this energy, because there's always a way to work with the energy, right? Right. Is that if you think about Saturn and its home sign and Pluto and its transformational aspect, the metaphor that comes to mind for me is building up a levee against a flood, the flood of Jupiter. If you understand where to construct your wall in a small space right now with, with Saturn and Cap, then you could have huge Plutonian transformational effects in your life by just diverting that water of Jupiter. That's if you know how to fill, how to just let enough water in to like nourish your family, but block out the rest of it and build your own little tiny wall in this world, like, like sufficiently to where your structure is well organized, then the transformational effects you could feel in the next year, mm. the grand conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in Aquarius next like uh, late November, December, um, uh, then you can see really transformational results in the next year. But it is going to be a challenge maintenancing that little levy that you've made for yourself with the constant pouring of Jupiter there trying to burst in and wash everything away. Mm -hmm. um, so really just be conscious because those that harness this energy well, because Saturn makes everything real and it's in its own sign, I could see that for a lot of people that manage, that have the gift of temperance, what a Saturnian word temperance is, those that can manifest the gift of temperance, I think that this could be a very boonful year. It's, it just might feel a little austere in some of the choices you have to make in order to like, mitigate or manage illusions of excess flow. 
Mm. That's so interesting that you use temperance because temperance is the tarot card of Sagittarius. Oh, oh I forgot that. <laughs> so, no, so it's, it's so perfect though, because that's, you know, we, this season has a very alchemical feel to it where we're trying to find all the right bits and parts and everything's kind of changing. And do I need more of this? Do I need less of that? Um, you know, to create this... <laughs> you know, this concoction that we're trying to make now that our lives are shifting in many ways. Um, and let's keep in mind, you know, and we haven't even really made it to the first quarter here, but like we were saying, this is kind of the meat of the season is that Jupiter, the second it moves into Capricorn on December 2nd, it is on a straightaway to make a trine with Uranus, which is kind of the big uh, outer planet movement that's happening during Sagittarius season, which doesn't happen until December 15th, which is a few days after our full moon. But, you know, that Jupiter is getting, you know, reconfigured in many ways. It's changing, ingressing signs, it's going to its fall, it's stepping back, it's finding the limit, but it's also getting this trine to Uranus, which is really shaking up, you know, earthly considerations, jobs are, are you know, houses, people probably moving, changing jobs, uh, uh, new ways of finding and, and bringing in money, um, you know, resources, because mm-hmm. Jupiter's trying to give us more of something. Um, and that's uh, that's kind of the beauty of Jupiter and Capricorn, maybe, <laughs> is that, <laughs> give me that money. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, so, well, okay. So in the interest of moving our, our story along here, uh, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of this action happens before we get the first quarter in Pisces on, you know, Tuesday, December 3rd. And first quarter's always pushing us forward. And in Pisces, I think this is a, this is a, a push forward that is also, in my mind, a bit of a dissolve uh, that I think yeah. that's part of the, sh- the shift, you know? This is the first time that we're going to get that sextile also, as we mentioned earlier, to Jupiter. Yes. So, and the moon has a lot of, has, is starting to really get a significant portion of light at the first quarter. So as we move through that initial Pisces, look to see where you can utilize, look in your own chart, see where Cap and Pisces hit you, and then see how you can leverage your Capricornian um, resources to make something happen in Pisces because with that amount of light and growing, the moon is really empowered. And with the sun in Sag, you're still getting this energy of all the things that we've just done in Sag, fueling the event. And I think that this is going to be a really great kickoff in the sense that we're going to have an opportunity if we can see it and choose it to use all of the work we've just done in Sag to bring a a huge, like to get that like turbo jumpstart at the beginning of the race. Uh, in Capricorn, right? To get that like, like the Jupiter giving fuel to the moon's to the moon's growth because the sun is still connecting Jupiter to its own energy by being in Sag, and really just giving you that boost to propel yourself forward. For those that played Mario Kart growing up, if you were uh, that like, if you hit the A button, it just yes, like, two seconds before, <laughs> two seconds before when the green light hits, then the video game lets you zoom off at first versus like having to pick up speed and change gears. Like mm. it feels like that opportunity to hit the A button at just the right time with that moon. You're going to get a boost in Pisces and Cap that will fuel your Sag. I love that, Jack. That is such, I love that for several reasons. And one of them is the fact that, you know, here we have a new moon in Sagittarius, looking to Jupiter. Jupiter's still in, in Sagittarius. Then we have a first quarter moon a week later 
And that is a different first quarter moon because it's kickstarting that the, the Jupiter, um, you know, Capricorn. And let us keep in mind that, you know, Jupiter's not a sign anymore, but Jupiter's now in a cardinal sign. And I love the analogy for the start of the race. I, in fact, I had a dream a couple nights ago where I was at the beginning of a race and <laughs> the guy had, you know, the starting gun and it was like this old timey gun that was all like uh, filigree silver, which is very interesting thinking of Capricorn because mm. Capricorn's all about tradition and the old and, you know, um, and it, and I was getting at ready for my place. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready yet. But then they started counting down. And there's like three, two, one. And he went to go shoot the gun and I woke up. But <laughs> um, oh. so that, that's perfect because it's true. Like we are, you know, like I said, I feel like there's a reconfiguration here, but we're working with this new energy and, and it's, it's leading us somewhere because Jupiter is starting something new, you know, because it's a cardinal sign. So there's a different sort of, you know, three-year cycle that's being set up just within the modality, you know? Mm -hmm. So we have to keep that in mind. So, you know, first quarter, December 3rd, Tuesday, Pisces, wherever, the, you know, get ready to, you know, we're, we're kicking off there. That's kind of the starting gun in, in many ways. Yes, get ready to manifest something for yourself in the area of life that Pisces represents for you. Exactly. Oh, I like that. That's my fifth mm -hmm. house. I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, hey. And I am Pisces. I am in a uh, fifth house perfection this year. So I'll take it. Oh, what a great, yeah, what a great energy for that perfection. Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. Um, yeah, Thanks. So, all right. So we're moving on from first quarter. And so we're in the period between first quarter and full moon. We're going to have that full moon in Gemini on uh, Wednesday, December 11th at 9, 12 p.m. Pacific time. It's going to be at 19 degrees Gemini, which I love all these 19 degree moons that keep hitting my angles every single as they go. Oh, uh, so, this okay. is, you know, that's a little side note for my own self. But so after first quarter, you know, in, in between that bill, because first quarter to the full moon, that is the act, that's the hot and dry period. That's when everything's rising and then getting, you know, stronger in many ways. And so, you know, around December 8th, 8th, 9th, uh, and 10th and 11th, we have a kind of like a little, little splurge of things happening. Uh, there before we get to the full moon. And so basically we have our, our bi-yearly sun square Neptune, uh, which is right. going to bring Neptune back into the picture. Mm -hmm. um, and what's going to work and what's not, you know, because that's, I don't know. I, I keep coming back to kind of pushing the limit in many ways. Uh, and we're getting a look at that, especially now that Jupiter's in Capricorn and maybe something that was kind of ideal is looking a little like it needs to be reconfigured or pieced out a little bit more. Sun square Neptune always feels like to me, because I majored in classical singing in college um, and did a bunch of other things, but um, it feels like that moment when you've been practicing a piece for a while and then you go to your teacher to like show it for the first time and you think you've been doing like such a great job. <laughs> you have this whole Neptunian thing going on where you're like, I have just like mastered this shenanigans and then you go and shine it in front of the light of the teacher the sun and they're like well there's some illusions here that we need to work through and <laughs> yes and like you see the reality of the project you've been working on and maybe for you that reality is that you've had illusions that that uh, neptunian illusions that the project you've been working on has been going worse and then the sh like it shined on it and suddenly you realize wait this is going so much better. I have to put in more work because this is actually going well and I don't want to lose it. Or maybe it's that the light gets shined in and you say, oh my, my goodness, this particular project I've been doing that I thought I've been doing so great at really needs a lot of work or I need to move on to a totally different project. 
Um, but it'll definitely pierce the light through the fog, right? Growing up in San Francisco, like I did, you get that every morning, you get the chance for the sun to burn through the fog. Mm-hmm. You have two days in every day. That Neptunian sort of fog influence of like, you think the day is going to start one way and it ends like you start this, the day and it's totally foggy and you can't see the sun and it's like 60 degrees and you have a windbreaker on. And then by the end of the day, it's like 87 degrees and you like have taken everything off and like you're sweating on the street. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just a different experience than what you were anticipating at the beginning, right? Yes. And that, that's ex- exactly a different experience. I love the idea of burning off the fog because we get that here in San Diego too. You know, I wake up mm. and it'll be foggy and then by 11 a.m., you know, the sun is out. But that's might might need to happen is we are burning off a bit of a fog uh, between December 8th and about December 10th. Um, and the, the thing is, is that I do, you know, because Neptune can dissipate energies and whenever it's touching a, a luminary, you know, it, it, it's going to take an effect. So I'm just going to say for people, you know, because we are in the, you know, we're approaching winter season, we're approaching cold season. Uh, we have Sun square Neptune. We have Venus sextile Neptune on the same day. We also have Jupiter squaring Chiron on the very same day on December 8th. Um, and Mercury's at a tested degree of last degree of Scorpio. Um, but anyways, around December 8th, 7th through 9th, if you're feeling a little lower energy, you know, give yourself a break, uh, take a minute. Um, because that's, I have a feeling we might see a little, you know, kind of sickness outbreak just in general, uh, that can yeah. happen. So just, Start you know, flu season. Exactly. The virus coming to light, the particular strain that's going to be dominant this year. Yeah. So, you know, slow your roll, especially around December 8th, give or take, uh, because we might be more susceptible um, to taking on things. And if we've kind of uh, exerted ourselves more, you know, if the enthusiasm of Sag has got got you rolling, you know, just just give yourself a moment just so that, you know, you don't get sick or if you do feel under the weather, you can recuperate a little quicker um, because you give yourself that time. So just FYI there. So, so, you know, we make it Mercury enters Sagittarius December 9th, you know, and so then Mercury's finally on board with the whole Sagittarius uh, mission, um, which is going to, you know, that's going to be a stark difference in many respects from the painstakingly long (laughs) transit through Scorpio. (laughs) Absolutely. It absolutely will. And I think that Mercury transiting through Sag and Finally letting up all those points that Jupiter has been going over for the last year since Mercury last left Sag. Well, it actually gives us a hint as to how we can use this energy of Jupiter and Cap well. Because with Mercury being the final sort of major planet to move through the sign of Sag in this cycle, it speaks to me that one of the good uses that we could use Jupiter for is, is communicating the missions that we established or the work that we did while in SAG, Mm. um, the communication of those efforts and the reflection upon all those events that happened can be a way to drive forth through the bureaucracy of Capricorn, the energy and gifts of Jupiter. So your communications about all the things you've done over the last year, as soon as Mercury moves into SAG, are going to be especially important for the juice that Jupiter is going to be able to give and the amount of sort of people he's going to be able to put on your housing project in Capricorn, so to speak. Mm. Like, um, you know, the, uh, the Mercury, if you use him well, Mercury will be able to report accurately to the foreman how many workers are going to be needed for this project. And if not, then maybe you have too many or too few workers there for the project when you arrive fully in cap. 
for the major conjunction, which Mercury will be a part of, yep. almost, almost Kazemi in, <laughs> in January. That chart is so wild. And we're, <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. But well, uh, yeah. oh my God. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I'll make you astrology backflips. Yeah. yeah. Right? All the gifts now that you can, because it's such a major event that you can make it great and you can make it sustaining because that also can have an energy of greatness but it could also be very painful. And so utilizing all the gifts now are going to be super empowering. Utilizing our power of free choice to you know, use all the tools at our disposal, I think is key to how you're going to feel that major conjunction. Mm, yes, I think that is great advice, which leads us to our full moon which is a little bit loaded of a full moon, I think, <laughs> in, in many ways. Which I full, full moon in Gemini, just in general, uh, is always an interesting one because you know when, we know what full moons do, and then throw Gemini, throw chatty Gemini right. on top of that well, uh, with the a energy. Mercury and Sag now. <laughs> right, it's the energy of the holiday hustle and bustle, yes. that energy of freneticness that we all feel around the holidays. That is such a summary of a full moon in Gemini that I like can't even tell you. The frenzied nature of like real things moving in massive parts, like just think retail frenzy kind of thing. We yeah. often will sometimes get the full moon in Gemini on Black Friday. We'll sometimes get it much closer to Christmas, like right before. But it's always going to happen somewhere in there. And it definitely always corresponds with an extra like a rushing sensation. In the summer, when the reverse happens and the full moon's over in Sag, you get this sort of like summertime idealism. Mm. But the, the full moon in Gemini, you get more of like this frenzied nature. You get more of the jovial nature of Jupiter over in the summer full moon in Sag. And you get more of like the frenzied mercantile nature uh, in the Gemini full moon. Absolutely. I love that, Jack. That's so that's so perfect. And I mean, I even thinking back to my old days as I used to be a, a tour, uh, I used to be an event planner and, and book tours for seniors to go to many different places in Southern California. Well, you know, the first three weeks of de- December, in which is usually where this full moon's going to fall, we're always just the busiest, the craziest. We'd be adding buses here and there. We'd be doing all these light parades. And, you know, and it was just, it, it was the biggest moneymaker, right? The, that was right. the bread and butter of the year with that Drive mercury cars. mercantile. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, but it was like, you know, working with your pants on fire sometimes because it was just <laughs> all these pieces all, you know, coming together. You got to put it all together. Uh, and so I really like that sentiment. Now, this particular uh, Gemini full moon at 19 degrees Gemini, December 11th, which is a Wednesday. It'll be in evening time here uh, in North America. So basically, you know, we have that full moon ruler. We're looking at Mercury and Sag, uh, which by coincidentally, he, you know, Mercury at that point has made it to the exact degree of the new moon. So that's fascinating as well because Mer- exactly. our full moon is like seeding with the new moon energy by rulership of Mercury at four degrees of Sagittarius. So that to me was fascinating in, in many ways. Um, now, of course, Jupiter now in Capricorn, uh, you know, adding that flavor to the sun, it's a, you know, that sun's agenda has changed since the new moon because it is mm. in a new, it, it's, you know, it has new uh, evidence to work with that there now, probably new concrete where maybe the new moon was more speculatory and more of the, the ideal and the visionary picture. The right. full moon is like, oh, no, well, here's the reality of it. Here's what we got to work with. We also have Jupiter... 
uh, in a trine with Uranus by that point. Wow. So that is, you know, this full moon is something. Now, I'm not even done yet. Yeah. I have, remember that piece I told, honey, I ain't done yet. (laughs) For those that cannot see, I was snapping at Mel. I said, yeah. (laughs) So so remember when I was like talking about that Venus square Chiron uh, at the new moon, and I was like, just put that in your pocket for later, right? Well, at the full moon, we have Venus, Saturn, and Pluto conjunct in Capricorn. Uh, as she has, you know, as the same time that the sun has separated from that square with Neptune. So Venus is on her own journey, I think, within this. Um, yes. and, and Jupiter is on its own journey. Mercury is on its own journey. So I feel like much in the, in the typical Gemini fashion, where we have many moving pieces, right. many stories are converging in an apex that we are going to have to juggle and handle, I think. Yes, on a personal level, but also on a collective level. Yes. Now, in Indian astrology, the third house and Gemini represent the media. This feels like a yellow journalism alignment like you've never seen with the sun still in Sag, the culmination of the moon in fullness in Mercury with Jupiter and like with Mercury's in Sag on the new moon spot and Jupiter's moved into Cap and you've got Venus, Pluto, Saturn conjunction. This is about the intensity of our values and how we put up our own barriers towards other values through how we view um, societal structure, getting met with the juice, getting thrown into Jupiter or the news media machine, met with what do we believe and our zealotry or idealism from Sag culminating in the public opinion and the Vox Populi and the freaking commotion of Gemini. This is a yellow journalism configuration like I have never seen. Yeah, especially with the Jupiter trine Uranus at that point, yes, which and we know coming to light. <laughs> yeah, like all of the energy, like something big coming forth. So there's going to be something very newsworthy, yes. or something that people are going to make a huge hullabaloo about coming up right around the corner. And far be it for me to say what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, we will. And the only thing that we can say for certain with all this uh, Uranian action trine with Jupiter is that everyone's going to be a little bit surprised, right? Like no matter what your stance, it's probably not going to fit quite in with what anyone's ideal situation is. So like in in terms of like the red and blue fight happening in the United States right now, it's probably not going to fit neatly within either argument, but it's going to be shocking and it's going to be big. Yeah. And we already know where we're at with, you know, impeachment proceedings are starting and, you know, there's just, there's just so much. We don't even know where that uh, is going to land. And I have a feeling it's going to land all over the place because we're talking about Gemini. So I, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a couple newsworthy (laughs) events that are going to be happening at that time. And, you know, I, like I said before, with the whole Chiron piece and, you know, the certain types of wound situations that might be coming up for ourselves, but also for the world in general, because we are working through one big collective wound. It, you know, Chiron happens to station direct uh, near on the full moon as well. So there is a whole other level of, you know, depending on if you work with that planet or you're interested, but just that's just a side note um, that, you know, and we also have Mars trying Neptune, 
at that time right. as well, it, you know? And so there are subversive tactics, you know, going on and, you know, to trying to mm-hmm. hide things here or to hide things there or like... Uh, Journalists pursuing stories, but disregarding evidence because it doesn't fit with their thesis. Yeah, yeah. And we know that happens. <laughs> every day, every minute of every day, right? In every country, sure. Well, maybe that's when, maybe one of the things that comes out at that point is that exact thing. You know, yeah. because it's a trine. Maybe it become it comes to light that comes you know that this wasn't accurately portrayed, or we've been looking at this for so long, and you know, mm-hmm. the, the real agenda is this. Um, so you know, just FYI, the full moon on Wednesday, December eleventh, but really through the second part of the week, you know, the twelfth, thirteenth, the. Jupiter the Uranus, the, uh, the aftermath, right? Jupiter <laughs> trying Uranus on December 15th. You know, this this is this in-between space that is leading us to last quarter in Virgo, uh, which and I think the way that it's panning out, I think the last couple of cycles have not been um, lining up to where we get all the same modality with all the moon quarters. So let's keep that in mind that this particular cycle of Sagittarius season, uh, all our cycles all, are set up with mutable it's all know. about the shift this it's all about the shift is all about the shift holy shift oh, yes. <laughs> holy shift batman yes <laughs> holy shift and so now we you know we reach, reach last quarter on wednesday december 18th uh in 26 degrees virgo um and that is you know there <laughs> we're shifting but that's that these are the concrete shifts this is a different type of shift where maybe we're shifting an ideology at the new moon. We were shifting in our emotions at the first quarter. We're shifting in, you know, what was manifesting in the thought and the communication on the full moon. And now we are shifting in reality. Uh, and <laughs> as right as Saturn uh, sextiles, um, excuse Mars. me, Mars sextiles Saturn yeah. uh, and Mercury is square Neptune. Uh, and Venus is ingressing into Aquarius all at the same time. And so this is really the the culmination, the last pivot point in the wrap up of at least Sagittarius season. So, I mean, Jack, what, what do you make of that? <laughs> well, first of all, having the third quarter disseminating moon in Virgo, with our wonderful Mercury still in Sag. He's a little debilitated, but we have the energy of Virgo where he, where I feel like we have the opportunity to restructure and reorganize following this aftermath of the Gemini full moon, but that it's going to be really challenging. Here's why. We have that Mercury squaring off with Neptune, so huge foggy elements coming in at play. Mercury's in debilitation in Sag, so the, um, the force of tongue or exuberance for communication getting tripped up by exactly how enthusiastic we are or going off on a tangent that ends up not being relevant to the goal that was at hand. Mm. Um, So you got to watch out for that, right? So the attempts to reorganize could be thwarted by um, uh, easily uh, easily, um, uh, tripped up upon miscommunications. Um, But here we do have a helpful influence. We have Mars and Saturn in a sextile from Scorpio to Capricorn with Mars applying in the overcoming position. So there is that sense of, we do have the power of choice here to make a practical decision that will lead to real and concrete, solid outcomes for us Mm. if we use that opportunity. But there's a difference between a practical action and the 
idea or message of something getting confused, yeah. right? So the opportunity comes from the action and choice and less about the words you use to describe that choice or the philosophy behind why the choice was made. Don't rely upon the higher principle here and don't rely upon maybe your emotional intention, rely upon what's going to be the practical effect of the choice that I make. Mm -hmm. What is the effect of this action? Because that will have the greatest impact if chosen well on the reality of what is seen. I love that, Jack. And it really fits in so well with the idea of wrapping up yet another lunar cycle. Uh, And here, you know, Mercury who is square Neptune as Mercury is the ruler of the last quarter moon. Uh, And we have to keep in mind that, you know, the moon as it applies to this last quarter position is trining Saturn. It's trining Pluto. Uh, And it will go on to trine Venus as well. So there is a moon, uh, you know, kind of... I can't manifestation principle. The, the, well, like, yeah. Well, essentially, it's coming around to wrap something up there or to play off of some of that uh, full moon energy that happened. And right. really, if we, we, we can look at, you know, because keep in mind that Mercury Neptune square um, is, you know, it's far enough in when, you know, before last quarter, it's going to basically kind of form a T square with the moon. Um, and and Mercury and Neptune there. and But that might be the reality where we have to communicate that something is changing. We have to communicate that we can no longer be, this is not no longer our story. It's time to move on, you know, and we're trining with Saturn and Pluto and the reality that we know is coming along the corner in Capricorn uh, and all the grand conjunctions and the eclipses. And so I feel like this last quarter in particular around the 18th and the 19th, uh, we are strengthening our position by letting go and and being uh, you know real about what's happening and making shifts in our outer world um, that facilitate the way the story is is now changing. Um, and you know, keep in mind just a little for you know little side note, side note, which I just love my Saturn and Virgo loves. Uh, yes. is that, uh, you know, Venus is conjunct. Uh, or is ingressing into Aquarius at this time on the 19th. And I will just say, we are eventually going to have a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction that starts a whole new cycle. Yeah, anyways, that happens in December of 2020. So Venus is on the degree, that zero degrees Aquarius, where they will meet. Um, so, you know, as the planets hit these like pivotal grand conjunctions right. that are going to happen, this, it, it's giving us a flavor for something that is in, in the distant future, but it, it's not that distant. Uh, and there is um, a, a trail of breadcrumbs that can be followed through a lot of the reconfiguration that's happening now and really through 2020. So, um, you know, and then basically we have our solstice on December 21st. And right. And there and we this, are. <laughs> this also, this zero degree Aquarius where Venus is ingressing, where there's going to be the grand conjunction. We mentioned, I think back at our podcast, we recorded in the Pisces retrograde earlier this year, there, um, or just before that, there um, was the eclipse at zero degrees of Leo oh, yes. and Aquarius, the lunar, full lunar eclipse, the last one in that sequence. And that was the first major like planetoid to be hitting exactly zero degrees degrees Aquarius spot. So if you look back to the full lunar eclipse at the very end of January in uh, 2019 at zero degrees Aquarius of the moon, zero degrees of uh, uh, sorry, zero degrees of uh, 
Aquarius of the Sun, zero degrees Leo of the Moon, had that luminaries flip. Yes, January twenty first um, of twenty nineteen. January twenty first. So there was something visible in your life on January twenty first of twenty nineteen, or in and around those like three day range, that was visible and part of your life purpose that needed to be physically changed because a lunar eclipse is all about like a, a, an apparent change manifesting in the life. Well, often, usually, a major eclipse of the sun. Well, it will affect people's lives also has a larger societal implication, usually because of the light of the sun versus the light of the moon being eclipsed and it appearing on a more private sector or within your emotions or internal field. Um, there was something public with the sun creating the eclipse with the moon that was getting shined out that had to change in a personal way. And Venus is hitting that spot now and we're going to get a clue of how to get tools to fix heal or bring people together around that issue. Mm. So start to build that thread for yourself. And then as more triggers hit that mark, see what's coming. And then when you get the conjunction, know it's the start of a new cycle. And so you really haven't arrived at a conclusion, but you've arrived at a new apex point from which a new storyline is going to start. Mm. Um, so see how this is evolving for you. It's a fascinating, huge topic too big for right now, but I know, I know. Yes. Hey, testament to cycles, people, a testament to cycles. And you know, it it speaks well that we're speaking of this during Sag season because Sag can pull back and sees the bigger picture, right? So, uh, we are looking at the, the bigger, grander, uh, you know, scope that is at play. Um, you know, well, Mm -hmm. I think we did a pretty good job of delineating what we're going to see in Sag season here. So, so I Absolutely. guess, you know, Jack, if there's one thing that you would say on how to, you know, advice or how to work with this, what would, what would you tell our listeners? I would say this is a season of incorporation with a lot of opportunities. This is a time to see where you've already put yourself out and see how you can reconnect the way you've been extending yourself out into the world with how you want to create the feedback loops towards yourself. Mm. or realistic, lasting building efforts, the spirit of Capricorn coming up for us. There is still time in this season to get new stuff going. If you've been waiting, if you've been delaying, start it now. You've got a really rich soil and you're coming from a great place. Like it's been, it's just like when you grow crops, the crop cycle is just as much affected by the weather of the current year as it was of the previous year. The nutrients in the soil, what has happened... So sometimes, and I not to, well, the Australians are having their bushfires and poor California, my home state, like had terrible fires. But think of the way that a year before where if it wasn't going as hot for you as you thought this year with Sag, might have created some fertile soil for you. Mm. And see how you can utilize all the principles of wetness in this upcoming season to water the ground for the next growing season. Because Capricorn builds really stable things when given the right food and enough time and patience. So this is a time where you can really plant those seeds in a very Sagittarian hopeful way and expect gifts to come with more patience than it would have had at at the same time last year. But I think there's still a chance for major fruits and there's a chance for major harvesting plus the gift to plant again in the fertile soil if you already had a great Sag year. So this is a great season. Understand that the energy is moving it's sort of becoming more grounded. So take things out of the stratosphere of the mind and out of the stratosphere of desire and move it into the groundedness of reality. And how will I make myself emotionally stable and available in the next year, the watery principle, um, in order to find more lasting effects of goodness from this season. Um, and also 
enjoy the finish line, right? Like remember to enjoy this sad season because you know the most classic human mistake is not enjoying the pinnacle or the climax while it's happening, mm. only in hindsight. So really enjoy the juice of your fruits. Oh, I love that, Jack. Enjoy those juicy fruits that you, that you plucked from your, your tree that you've, you know, put so much energy and time into. And I love that, you know, celebrate the end of the race because the next one is about the, you know, the gun is about to go off again. And mm-hmm. so absolutely, you know, take time uh, to slow down and enjoy the efforts, even though, you know, Sag might have us feel like we're bouncing off the walls from time to time, uh, just because of the oomph that it gives us. But, you know, celebrate that. Get, that's, we move too fast as, as, as people in this day and age. And, and if we don't, you know, stop for a second to enjoy <laughs> those little sweet moments, we forget that they even exist and then we're on to tackle the next problem. So I love that, Jack. That's a beautiful and very Sagittarius way to uh, <laughs> wrap up our, our uh, season here. So, all right. Well, hopefully you've stayed with us this whole time. Um, through yeah. many, you know, the, the, the chopper has gone away. We haven't got cut off. The baby's not crying anymore. You know, yeah. we're, we're doing good here. We've changed rising signs. It's been over two hours. And yes. <laughs> yeah, we've been here a while. So, all right. Well, Jack, where can people find Where can people find you? Where, what do you got going on? Well, I'm not... So the last, the last three to, or two times, at least, that we've spoken about, it may have been three, it's been during a Mercury retrograde. And please don't ask a double Gemini to give you an honest time estimation during a Mercury retrograde. Like, it's just an unwise choice. Um, yeah. <laughs> Plus I got this fabulous job. So I have been working on my website and it has not been up because I've been able to work with astrology in a whole new way that has led to a really profound abundance in a really beautiful sense where I get to actually help to spread wise yoga and astrology and geotish with, um, with people around the world, which is really cool. But I will have my website up before the end of Sag season. I will be planting, I will be making use of that fertile soil. So Gemini Jack will be back up and running here later this month, but it won't be at the time of airing of the podcast. And unlike in previous Mercury retrogrades, I'm being realistic about the time scale. <laughs> so um, GeminiJack.com will be up and running before the end of November. Um, uh, but I honestly have not had time for readings apart from referrals of which I've been blessed with several, um, uh, just because of the new job that I've entered into, but I will absolutely be reopening my books for bookings and for, um, uh, you know, really healthy chats for astrologers of all levels, um, seeking all kinds of information. You know, this whole year has been rife with great elections being made with, um, uh, great uh, readings for some people that you know never considered astrology. So it's been a great year for astrology. But being that Mars perfection, it really has been a lot of work. Yeah, and it really I has know. been a lot of like uh, I mean, the sixth house traditionally is linked to slavery, and slavery doesn't need to be as onerous as all that, but it certainly is linked to having to sacrifice one's own desires for the purposes of employment, and that's what I've been doing a lot this year. And so, uh, lesson for us all via real time astrology. But um, if you want to look for me, I'll be back up before the end of November, GeminiJack.com. And um, uh, we'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, I know he's not much of a social media guy, but you do have your Instagram. I do, at- I do have an Instagram handle, at um, which you actually honestly might know more than me because I have literally not updated it forever, but I've been collecting photos and that also 
will be experiencing a relaunch later in November at uh, Gemini Jack, I believe. I, you know, Jack, now that I think about it, I love it because you you know, you got that double Gemini, but then you have Mercury and Taurus tucked in the 12th. And so you have all this behind the scenes activity that your Mercury has been doing, but it just hasn't quite made it. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. And the Taurus slowness, but beauty, it's going to be great when it comes out. But again, so slow, so yes. slow. Hey, you know, perseverance. Everyone get there. Pace. Endurance. Yes. <laughs> All right. I love it. Well, you know, I, I always, well, what little Jack can provide, I will give that in my own uh, page. I'll provide his email address in case you want to give him thoughts oh, yes, on the podcast so or anything, or if you want to reach out about, you know, anything, just so you have a direct connect because obviously he's awesome uh, since <laughs> I'm, I'm very favorable. Uh, but So where can you find me? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at energetical energetical. That's new. Energetic principles. Mercury is still in effect. Um, and uh, of course you can find me on Patreon if you want to support the podcast or get show notes for the podcast or my new astral story time will be out by this uh, part- uh, by this episode, uh, which is only $6 per month. And you can see me do a whole one hour program with visuals and charts and all these fun things. Um, and this month I did uh, uh, through a patron request. I did Steve Jobs, the life of Steve Jobs, um, and also uh, the 30th anniversary of the Berlin Wall falling, which mm. was fascinating as well. So that you can find that over at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Uh, and of course, if you, you know, if you know a Sagittarius or you know anybody that's interested in astrology or you think they would, spread the good word, you know, because sharing the podcast helps it, you know, spread without me paying money to have that happen. I'm like, I'm anti-marketing. I'm like, (laughs) the best marketing comes from people spreading the word or sharing or, you know, those types of things. So spread the good word, leave a review where you uh, listen to this. um, And I think we'll be all good to go in in that department. So Jack, always a pleasure talking to you. Always. Always a pleasure, Mel. I love our conversations. You are fabulous. And this podcast has just, has just exploded with beautiful, incredible guests. Your own analysis is just so, um, it's so free flowing, but so like erudite to use a very Gemini Virgo word. (laughs) I, I just, I love what you've been able to do with your, um, you know, with your vehicle to distribute astrology information for the world. It's just been amazing to be a listener as well as a contributor, truly. Oh, I love you, Jack. Oh, well, we love you too. And we love that you're listening to us go back and forth about Sagittarius season. So thank you for that. Um, and, you know, I wishing you a fabulous Sag season. It's going to be a good one. Um, and as always, may the stars be with you. Thank you.